Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from the New Testament. It's from the book of Colossians, passage that uh, may be familiar to you. I've certainly shared uh, many times uh, powerful words from the Apostle Paul, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Paul writes, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading is from the New Testament as well. It's from Matthew's Gospel. As you know, I'm continuing my sermon series on the hymn Amazing Grace. And we did a parable of Jesus uh, last week. And I thought best way to enter into that second verse of Amazing Grace is through another parable of Jesus. So I invite you to follow along as I read from Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter came and said to him, meaning Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So, the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if 
you do not forgive your brother or sister from the heart. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we open up your word this morning, we are confronted with the reality of what you're calling us to do, and that is to forgive. And pray, O oh Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive that which would most help us to live out our lives in faithfulness and devotion to Jesus Christ as we pray in his name. Amen. In his book titled Grace, the pastor author Max Lucado tells the story of Victoria Ruvalo, a 44-year-old New Yorker who is driving to her home on Long Island late one night. She had just attended her niece's recital and she was looking forward to coming home, sitting on the couch by a warm fire and enjoying some rest and relaxation. She has no recollection of seeing the silver Nissan approaching her or the 18-year-old boy leaning out the window of the car holding, of all things, a frozen turkey. He threw it at her windshield and the 20-pound bird crashed through the glass, bent the steering wheel inward, and shattered her face. This violent prank left her fighting for her life in the ICU of the hospital after the doctors wired her jaw, affixed one eye in place to a synthetic film, and bolted titanium plates to her cranium. Nine months after that disastrous night, she stood face to titanium bolted face with her accuser in court or offender in court. Now, Ryan Cushing was no longer the cocky, turkey tossing kid in that silver Nissan. He was trembling, he was tearful, he was apologetic. In New York City, he had come to represent a generation of kids who seemed to be out of control. Well, people packed the courtroom to see him get the punishment that he deserved. Instead, the judge's sentence enraged the people as Ryan Cushion received only six months behind bars, five years probation, some counseling, and some community service. The courtroom erupted in anger. And that makes sense because forgiveness has never been really easy for us. Peter stands before Jesus and says, Lord, how often should I forgive? In other words, Lord, when is enough enough? How about seven times? Now, Peter thought that he was being really generous because in that day, the rabbis believed it was three times that you should forgive another person. Do you know where they came up with the number three? Well, in the book of Amos, the prophet in the Old Testament, God condemned the nations after four offenses. And so the rabbis sort of reasoned that no human could ever be more gracious than God. And so the mathematical magic number of human forgiveness must be three. But Peter says, well, 
I'm going to go beyond three. I'm going to go beyond four. Beyond those Hebrew holy men, Lord, how about seven times? And Jesus says, Peter, throw away your calculator because I'm going to give you a brand new number. I'd like for you to think of it in terms of 77 times, or as some Bible translations say, 70 times 7. It's what Buzz Lightyear said in that Disney movie Toy Story, to infinity and beyond. And then Jesus says, and Peter, that also includes your enemies. Anybody can love and forgive their friends. I say to you, love your enemies. Now, many of you, I I assume, have outside one of the doors of your house a welcome mat that says, welcome friends. I wonder what would happen if when you joined this church, and we have a new member class going on right now, we gave you a different kind of welcome mat that had on the message of it, welcome enemies. How much would you want that to lay at your doorstep? And so to this shocked look on Peter's face, Jesus says, let me tell you a story. There once was a king who called in his IOUs, and in walked his high-ranking government official. The king told him to give an account for revenues received. Well, the results of the audit were disastrous. The servant owed the king a whopping 10,000 talents. Now, how much is that? Scholars believe that a talent may have been the equivalent pay of 15 years of work. So this servant owed the king over $10 million. What kind of life do you have to be living to blow $10 million? You might see why the king is just a little bit angry. And it says the servant could not pay. And so the king told this man that his wife and children were to file for bankruptcy and then be sold into slavery. In the next scene, it says, the servant fell on his knees and started begging. He cries, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Oh, pretty please, your majesty, pretty please, give me more time, give me more time. I will pay you every penny that I owe you. And it turns out that the king is a real softy. His heart melts. And he caves in and touched with pity, he stamps canceled across the top of the debt. And just like that, the debt is paid. The man walks out of the king's office free from that burden of the debt. He goes down a flight of steps. He might have even fist bumped a few people who passed him by. The greatest feeling of the world is the feeling of being forgiven. One time, my family and I were traveling up to my parents' house in Westwood, New Jersey. We were less than a half mile from home when I came to this very familiar intersection, an intersection I had been to many, many times, and I did what you call one of those rolling stops. It was late at night. There was nobody around. The next thing I know, in my rearview mirror are those hideous blue flashing lights. I stopped the car, the police officer got out, and immediately he recognized me. Oh, John, it's you again. <laughs> How are you doing? 
said, fine, up to about 30 seconds ago. And then he said, who have you got in the car with you? And so he introduced him to everybody. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to my parents' house. And he paused. He said, okay, follow me. <laughs> and so we had this police escort the rest of the way home to the front door of my parents' house. And I remember thinking, I can't believe it. The servant in our story is overjoyed. As verse 2 in the hymn, Amazing Grace, goes, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed." You know, it's too bad the parable doesn't end right there, but the story goes on and says that same slave went out and found another slave who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Now, can you believe the nerve of this guy? His face is still damp from the sob story that he told to the king. He comes down the street and he sees a guy who owes him some money. And what you need to know is that a hundred denarii is really no big deal. He goes over, he grabs him by the neck, and he shakes him down like a lone shark thug. Only moments before, this same servant had been on the receiving end of mountains of mercy and oceans of grace, and you would think that he would pass down just a little bit of that to his fellow man. But he doesn't do that. Now, compounding the travesty is the amount of money that we're talking about here. In fact, someone has taken the time to show the discrepancy between the two debts by cashing them into quarters. The smaller of the two debts, you could cash into quarters and, pit, and fit into one sack. The debt that the king canceled for the servant, if you were to cash that into quarters, it would take 8,660 pound bags, which if you put them three feet apart, would stretch for five miles. Jesus is being intentionally ridiculous in this parable. And what he is saying is this, that God's command of us to forgive others is microscopic compared to the astronomical forgiveness that we have received from his hand and all that he asks is that we pass down a few of those crumbs in our forgiveness of others. The Christian writer Kent Hughes says, we ourselves demonstrate whether we are recipients of God's forgiveness by whether or not we will forgive. If we refuse to forgive, there can only be one reason, and that is that we have never understood the grace of Jesus Christ. In that case, we are outside of grace and we ourselves are unforgiven. You know, the man in the story did not understand grace. The man in the story did not understand forgiveness. He would not forgive even when the man begging him, if you heard it, used the exact same language that he had just used himself when he stood before the king. Have patience with me and I will pay you. But it says he refused and he had the man thrown in prison. And we hear this and we're just outraged. But Jesus wants us to think, you know, am I really that much different when I refuse to forgive someone for the wrong that they have done to me? I think the feeling that most of us have is that when we forgive, we are going beyond the call of duty. 
I'm getting ready to check out at the giant supermarket or to go to the kiosk there and someone else arrives at the, at the line at the same time I do and I extend my hand and I let them go in front of me, I think I'm John of Drumore, <laughs> patron saint. Forgiveness can be a constant struggle that we battle each and every day. One lady said, I keep a list of the people I can't forgive in alphabetical order just so that I don't forget anyone. Well, what happens if we don't forgive? What are the consequences? Let's finish the story. The king gets wind of what has happened and he calls that servant back in and says to him, are you out of your mind after what I did for you? And then you turn around and do that to that poor man? You want to live by the book? Fine. You're going to die by the book. Now, one translation says grimly, the king had the man thrown in prison and turned over to the torturers. And then we kind of get the punchline to Jesus' parable. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless, unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Jesus says, you have a choice. You can either forgive or you can get locked up. You know, we really are only hurting ourselves when we don't forgive. In fact, clinical studies have shown that if we do not forgive somebody, it raises our blood pressure deprives us of sleep, causes indigestion, and yes, can actually lead to depression. When we've been hurt, it's really easy for that toxic poison to keep us sick and angry. But when we forgive, we release that bitter poison and it puts us back in charge of our own lives. See, that is the, the kind of the paradox of forgiveness. It looks like that it's against our self-interest to push away the injustices, to push away the wrongs that people have done to us. But in reality, as you've heard me say before, when you forgive, you release a prisoner. And yes, that prisoner is you. Now, one thing that will help us to forgive is remembering the full, free forgiveness of God. The servant in the story did not really receive the forgiveness of the king. He didn't let himself off the hook for that massive debt. The man in the story was given $10 million, but spiritually and emotionally, I don't think he ever really did receive that gift. It's kind of like if one of your best friends comes to visit on your birthday holding a package in their hand. And they knock on the door. When you open it, what's the one thing you never do? You never look at that package. You, you look them straight in the eye. And you say, oh, what a surprise. And it's your birthday. They're your best friend. How surprising could it really be? Oh, oh, is that for me? No, I was just kind of walking through the neighborhood. saw the porch light on. Of course it's for you. And you take that package, and then you say something really dumb. Sh should I open it? Nah, leave it on the floor for a few months. <laughs> of course you open it. And you do. And it's something really nice. And then you say something that makes sense. You say, thank you 
you really shouldn't have. And of course they shouldn't have. If they had to, that would have been payment for services rendered. It would not be a gift. The king opens up his ledger and says, you owe me a lot of money, don't you? And the servant says, I'm afraid so. And the king says, I'm canceling the debt. Consider it all a gift. Friends, how do we do that? Well, all I know is that there's no way that we can have that kind of grace on our own. Only the love of God dwelling within us, filling us, can give you and me that kind of grace. We have to have Jesus Christ giving us that day-by-day -day grace to forgive. Well, after that courtroom exploded in objection over that light sentence uh, that Ryan Cushing received, everybody was seething mad. Everybody wanted justice. Everybody wanted their pound of flesh. Everybody, that is, except Victoria Ruvalo. The reduced sentence was actually her idea. And in that packed courtroom, that young man walked over to her and Victoria Ruvalo embraced him. And then in full view of the judge and everybody in the crowd of that courtroom, she held him tight and stroked his hair as he sobbed uncontrollably. She said, I forgive you. I want your life to be the best it can be. God gave me a second chance at life and I am passing it on. If I didn't let go of that anger, I'd be consumed by this need for revenge. Forgiving you helps me to move on. Her experience led her to volunteer in the county's probation department. She said, I'm trying to help others, but I know for the rest of my life, I'll be known as the turkey lady. Of course, it could have been worse. He could have thrown a ham, then I'd be Miss Piggy. <laughs> Listen again to the second verse of Amazing Grace. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Friends, if there's anything that I would want you to do when you walk out of here is have that feeling of being forgiven. Yes, we deserve to be punished, but instead we get Christ's amazing grace. Yes, we deserve God's wrath, but instead we get God's unconditional love. Yes, we deserve life in a debtor's prison, but instead, the good news is that we get a clean credit history. And you and I are forever free to stand before a holy, loving, forgiving God of amazing grace, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, what a feeling it is to be forgiven. And God, how we love to experience the feeling of receiving forgiveness. But God, help us to love to give away this feeling as well. Give to each and every one of us in this room today and those who are watching online a song of forgiveness to sing in our hearts. And may we sing this song to a world so desperately in need to receive your amazing grace. 
Lord God, all too often this parable is played out in our society, whether it's at work or in our own families or in the significant relationships of our lives. There are cycles of vengeance, bitterness, and recrimination that go on every day. And so, Lord, we are pleading with you to end our treadmills of retribution. As we bow today, we bow before a king who was nailed to a cross and then still forgave his enemies, even as he died for the sins of the whole world. Give to us a heart full of Christ so that we also can forgive 70 times 7. And finally, O oh God, we thank you for the good news of a God who loves and forgives and empowers people and who calls us together to share in his spirit. Strengthen our faith as we go out to live, love, and forgive others. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen.